On Every Main Street is a weekly program that takes a deeper look into the greater Lehigh Valley small, medium, and large businesses that might be found on Every Main Street. Tonight, join me, Greg Caponia, as we invite WDIY listeners to learn more about the entrepreneurs with great ideas serving the communities in which we live. Good evening and welcome to On Every Main Street, a WDIY program where we feature local people and businesses. Tonight, we have two guests. First, we're going to speak with Lisa McDonald about her business as a life coach. And then we will speak with the author of a children's book series. With this preview, let's welcome Lisa McDonald. Hi, Lisa. Hi, welcome. Thank you so much for having me here. You bet, Lisa. If we go to a search engine and type in imperfection is beautiful, we will see you and your work, won't we? Yes. And why don't you tell us what you do? So I am the owner of Imperfection is Beautiful since 2017. I am an abstract artist who paints motivational and nationality paintings to create a strong community. Imperfection is Beautiful offers art and motivational workshops, which is art activity and motivational speaking combined. The benefits of those two is that the motivational speaking will help encourage young people to understand that they have ability to take control of their mind and change their mindset. A step-by-step motivational speech will help them achieve better self-awareness and a new way to view their actions and awareness of others. And then for the positive art activities, what it benefits, it benefits that it will help young people to go through any challenges that comes in their lives. And it helps them to learn how to gain confidence no matter what challenges come. It is important for them to learn how to release negativity, tension onto art and to be aware of these feelings and accept them as beautiful and perfect individuals. Also, in Imperfection is Beautiful, I offer um, speaking engagements. And with my speaking engagements, I teach others how to accept their imperfections. There's a lot of noise out there for kids to listen to right now, isn't there? Yes, there is. <laughs> very, very distracted. This world is very distracted. <laughs> yeah, we, we have an opportunity to shift in any way we want to. Every second, it seems like it's hard to stay focused. How did you begin this business? Mm. What, what prompted you to start? Well, I've gone through a lot of difficult times in my life and I, I, everybody does in their lives. And I felt like school, I was never good at anything, writing, reading, math. In elementary school, I was diagnosed with a learning disability. And I, um, growing up, I grew up with a mixed family. So my mother and her family is from all Dominican. So I'm half Dominican <laughs> mm-hmm. and I'm also half German. My father, my dad's side of family is all Pennsylvania Dutch, German and everything. So, but they speak English. They don't speak German. So I spoke Spanglish when I was in elementary school. Kids made fun of me. Kids never understood And I had to repeat kindergarten because the teacher didn't understand me. I had to take speech therapy, ESL classes, and all this stuff. I just felt like I wasn't good enough of where I was. And the only thing I felt good was art. Art has brought me up into such beautiful world. And it made me realize that I'm good at this. 
So in 2017, I decided to get out there and be an artist and show all my imperfections. Art has taught me to appreciate my imperfections and not to be ashamed of the mistakes that I've created, but instead to work with those mistakes and make those mistakes become beautiful in their own imperfect ways. Can you give us an example of what one of your clients or students might think about their imperfection and how they can overcome it and using art? Hmm, that's a good question. So, okay, here's one. With my workshops, I encourage others to paint. And a lot of these students are having a hard time to paint an, a blank canvas. And when it comes to that, they get nervous. They don't want to make a mistake because art, they feel like it's so intimidating. They have to have it look perfectly. But I'm teaching them, use art as a tool. Don't think it as a mat, like a like a piece you're going to hang in a house or a piece you're going to hang in an art gallery. It is a tool for you to express your emotions. So I try teaching them ways on how they can accept their imperfections and let go of that perfectionism like mindset. So I teach them on letting go of those imperfections by splattering the paint, by making a mess, by intentionally making a mistake. I show them, oh, look, my paint is dripping on my canvas. That's okay. Let's make this work. Let's try to work with this mistake. And a lot of them laugh and giggle and they're like, wow, we expect you to be, you know, perfect because you're an artist. And like, Mm -hmm. well, Not every artist has to be perfect with everything they do when it comes to art. So I try to give them that guidance and that um, just a visual representation of how they can accept their imperfections. So you're creating little Jackson Pollocks, it sounds like. Yes. (laughs) So tell me, what's the difference between counseling and life coaching, or is it the same thing? So life coaching, what I see it as, I take it as that life coaching is a person to mentor, to to guide you, to help you achieve your goals one by one. Where counseling or therapy, it's pretty much helping students with any mental issues they have or um, working with their distorted thinking. You know, when it comes to depression, anxiety, they focus on specifically that. Me, I work on with somebody who has their life, you know, they're good, they, they, they're there. They just need a little guidance on figuring out where they need to go in their life, a little direction I lead them to and help them with goals. And goals is a very, with life coaching, we're very goal-oriented. So that's a pretty much the difference between those two. So what would you say is the average age of the person that you work with? I work mainly with teens and young adults. So I do focus on kids. I try to go as young as possible because I do believe the younger, the better. I start from ages nine and above. So for teens and young adults, young adults, I think I would go like, I'm 28. So I would be maybe going to like early 30s or little late 30s. But yeah, my main focus is teens and young adults when it comes to my life coaching. Now with my workshops, I do see a lot of different variety of people enjoying my workshops. So I always tell people um, my workshop benefits in ages nine and up. So when I say nine and up, I'm meaning preteens, teenagers, young adults, adults, you know, older adults, depending their ability and, and things like that. So I've noticed that how much my art, my workshops can benefit a lot of different populations. So after one of your clients creates a piece of art 
you talk mm-hmm. to them about it? Is that what how, how the process works? Yes. So now if you're uh, mentioning about my life coaching, my life coaching would be more working on workbooks. I'm currently working on workbooks to help them take things step by step. But with my workshops, which I've been doing a lot, my workshops pretty much we work in small groups or we work one on one, which, you know, whichever um, they're interested in. And we all talk about the process. We all talk about how was it when you did this? How did you feel during this process? Because when we talk about these things, we begin to have that awareness. But sometimes we don't really gain that awareness because we don't give us time to reflect. So with my workshops, it's important for them to take time to reflect questions are really, really important for them to acknowledge and answer. And it's also a great way for them to speak up about it because that way other people will feel like I felt the same way and not feel alone with whatever feelings they have. Because we tend as humans, we tend to hide our feelings. We tend to not express our feelings because we feel like that's weak or we're we can't show that we're vulnerable, all those things. But it's it's important as human beings to express ourselves. It's the way of life, and it's what makes us stronger later in the future. It sounds like you're pretty good at this. Why do you like it? I like it because I love it, actually. Good. Because it is what helped me. So everything I'm telling you is everything I've done for myself. So I am the walking... I don't know how you say it. Like I am the, I am the example. So you've been <laughs> I there. am that person. Yes. I am the person that done it for myself and I am where I'm at now. And if they continue practicing and doing this, they will be so far than they ever thought. When I was in high school, I had this learning disability and I used it as like a block. I didn't think I would jump over this block. I didn't think I would pass my driver's test. I didn't think I was smart enough. I didn't even think I could be a speaker because of my way of speaking. Sometimes I speak Spanglish out of nowhere and sure. <laughs> get it very embarrassing. And, you know, but I don't use my learning disability as a limit. I use it as a way for me to understand it's something I need to work with and it's not who I am. So it's your uniqueness that you try to focus on and yeah. then try to find the, uh, the the right lane to express, if I'm understanding correctly? Mm-hmm. Give us an example of somebody who might have lacked a little confidence and perhaps you've helped them out. Well, yes. Um, my life coaching, I, um, I have this client. She is struggling with trusting herself and she... Is trying to figure out a career path she wants to enter and she's not sure where she wants to go. And I help her with her, you know, figuring out her strengths, her personality trait and connecting that and to see what jobs could fit her. However, she's been feeling a little bit not confident because she's relying on others on their idea where she should work, but not herself. And I had to teach her and find that self-love. And a lot of the activities I do with my life coaching is, is consisting with self-love activities, answering questions, doing self-reflective um, questions and doing some mindfulness work. Um, she did a collage that basically helps her figure out where does she want to go in her life? What does she vision her life to look like? You know, and so she, she did, did a that collage. in a collage. In a collage. Mm-hmm. 
what type of things might she have put there? She put a lot of like different items of from a house. Her thing that she wants is living a comfortable lifestyle. That's always her concern. That's always her fear that she's not going to have that comfortable lifestyle. She's not going to be able to live, you know, move out and be able to live on her own and find a relationship. She's always, you know, scared of that in the future. But I tell her, I said, look at this and keep reminding yourself that you will eventually get there. There's steps that she has to take in order to get there. So it's, it's the process and also trusting that process that um, is something that she's struggling with because she's not seeing anything right away. But in reality, you have to have that patience and that courage to continue, keep practicing, keep going. Lisa, talk to some parents right now. Tell them why somebody might be able to uh, use your product. Well, as we know, um, technology is expanding. Social media is actually destroying our mindset. And I do believe that the youth definitely needs help. They need self-awareness. They need self-discipline. They need motivation. And I've, you know what? I've heard so many parents coming up to me that their child is this and that, and they're losing motivation and everything. With my workshops and my life coaching, it's going to help your child to gain that back, gain that awareness, gain that self-love, and also teach them coping skills. A lot of these youth out here don't know what to use, don't know how to cope with difficult times. And a lot of things I do is to help them with that and teach them ways on how to go through difficult times when having a strong mindset. There's so many things I do and it benefits so much with the youth and I just can't wait to see (laughs) how far I can go with what I have and uh, my services and everything. We're talking to Lisa McDonald, a life coach who's local here. Lisa, if somebody would like to contact you to learn more about Imperfection is Beautiful, your company, Mm -hmm. how do they reach Mm -hmm. out to you? They can give me a call at 484 619-3461 or they can check out my website www.imperfectionisbeautiful.life and you can follow me on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok. I have TikTok. All right. <laughs> Try to get in there. And um, Imperfection is Beautiful. Lisa McDonald of Imperfection is Beautiful. Thank you very much for being on every Main Street. Thank you. Appreciate it. You are listening to WDIY 88.1 FM, and we will be back right after this message. Spread the word about your business or organization to a well-informed audience. Become an underwriter with WDIY. Our lineup of NPR news and locally produced programs reaches thousands of engaged listeners in the Lehigh Valley and beyond. Underwriting on WDIY is an affordable and effective way to provide information about your product and services to people who care. To learn more about underwriting opportunities, 610-694-8100 or WDIY.org. Welcome back to On Every Main Street, and welcome to our next guest, a local author, Bob Bamer, and we are here to chat about his book, The Path to Grave Danger. Our guest has been teaching for over 35 years and has received national recognition for integrating science, math, art, and technology. His professional awards include the 1993 finalist for Pennsylvania's Teacher of the Year, the Presidential Award for Excellence in Science and Math Teaching, 
the U.S. Space Academy Wings Teaching Award, the NASA Teacher and Space Program Award, and the Krista McAuliffe Fellowship Award. That's quite a bit. Welcome, Bob. Well, thank you for inviting me. <laughs> you bet. You have a lot of experience, it seems like, in um, math and space and, and exploration uh, teaching. Uh, tell us about your book. It's a, it's a children's book, right? Right. It's a children's book and uh, something I've always wanted to undertake. And uh, after I retired, uh, I had some had the time and and I thought, uh, why not? You know, it's it's kind of a labor of love and uh, something I've always wanted to do. And I used to in my teaching career, uh, although my primary role uh, starting out of teaching was an art teacher, I always try to integrate other aspects of history and math and science, as you said, in the, my classroom and bring the real world to the kids around me. So tell us about the book. Well, my wife is very involved in the Emmaus Historical Society, and we've lived in Emmaus for over 30 years. Emmaus is a rich cultural heritage in Pennsylvania German history, and the, the book kind of brings that aspect of the architecture and the history into the real world for kids. Uh, I know uh, in the East Penn School District, there is a, a local history initiative in third grade, and uh, I thought this would be a way of bringing some of those aspects in a fun way to to real life. So The Path to Grave Danger is the first book in the series uh, that I'm trying to create, a world where it's a borough within a borough. So because of Pennsylvania German heritage and, and the word Emmaus, I realized that mouse was inside Emmaus. And just like kids look for things all around them and, and uh, as imaginative, I thought, well, this would be a great way of kind of bring that to life. So I created a world of mice that live in a burrow under the burrow and takes care of all of the humans and all of the mice in the world. <laughs> well, tell us about your characters a little bit. Well, the characters start in the first book all the way back to the beginning of the Moravians coming to Emmaus and uh, before Emmaus was even Emmaus. And so I thought, well, let's create generations of E.M. Mouse characters. And the very first E.M. Mouse was Ensign Mariner Mouse, who navigated the oceans with the uh, first Moravians to, to come to the New World. And then as the Moravians arrived and established themselves and moved and found Emmaus, there was always another generation of a leader mouse or, or the borough manager. And so the second one would be Explorer Mountain Mouse, and then it goes on and on until present day where the uh, current borough manager and, and history detective is Emoji Modern Mouse. And he has two, a niece and a nephew, who gets into all sorts of troubles and trials and tribulations, and he has to help them out. And the, and the mice, uh, Pitter and Patter, go to school at the Lincoln Elementary School, which is right down the street from our home. Sure. And they, they uh, have a classroom in the basement. And as you said in your introduction, in the early days of the 90s before STEM or science, technology, engineering, math was pervasive in all the school districts. I was doing a program called STEAM, which was science, technology, engineering, art and math, because I always thought arts is very important in integrating the curriculum across the scope of their kids' education. So uh, 
the classroom takes place uh, in the steam room, in the steam boil room, in the basement of Lincoln Elementary School. And of course, they're all nocturnal creatures, so all of the adventures take place at night. So, Bob, do you also illustrate the book? I do. As an art teacher, um, I always was keen on illustrating and painting and drawing. So, yeah, when after I wrote the book, you know, I, I spent a lot of time illustrating and bringing in the two aspects of, of writing and art together. Which one is more difficult, the writing or the illustration? Well, it's, it's, it's interesting you say that the writing part of it is has been quite an education because creating a book was not an easy undertaking. And uh, I learned a lot from that. But as far as time consuming aspects of, of the uh, creative endeavor was uh, probably the drawing because it takes so much time to did the watercolors for the covers and then all of the interior uh, 25 uh, illustrations were done with pen and ink. So it took a long time to do all those. So in the path to grave danger, what types of dangers are out there? Well, each section of the book has the trouble the kids get, the little mice get into. So there is a, there's always a, something that's always looming in the background. And in this book, it's the uh, local alley cat. The kids, of course, as kids, human kids and, and the little mice can relate to each other because even though they're told not to do something, they, they will endeavor to try to find ways to, to do things and get in trouble. And, and in, in the first book, in Path of Great Danger, they uh, find themselves late to get home and uh, before the sun comes up. And so they end up uh, venturing into God's Acre, which is the first Moravian cemetery here in, in Emmaus. And they find that they've gotten over their, over their tails in, in trouble, and uh, they're saved by a chipmunk. And they will find some lost historic elements uh, that will lead them on to more adventures. Now, this obviously has a lot of local flair to it but it's available on a broad platform, right? Yes, yes. You can find it on Amazon. You can find it on my bookshop site. Let's Play Books here in Emmaus carries it. So yes, Barnes & Noble, you can find it just about anywhere. You can find it on the internet. So we have a lot of listeners from outside of the area that stream our programs. This program would translate to just about any locality, right? Yes. Yeah, I try to make, uh, even though it has, you know, the historic elements of Emmaus itself and the architectural locations here in Emmaus, it, I think the story I've tried to make it so that it's kind of a universal story, a lot of play on words. Uh, when I wrote this book, I tried to make it so that some of the uh, plays on words and uh, some of the humor might go over the kids' heads, but the, the I think hopefully the parents or grandparents who are reading the book will find it entertaining also. What are the ages that you're targeting here? The readability of the book is probably independently is probably a third grade through middle school, but I have younger children in in our family who've had the book read to them and and uh you know they 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 find it entertaining and and not overwhelming. How do you come up with your themes to to well, teach children? Yeah, well, I think that that has to do with being a teacher for 38 years and and understanding, you know, how kids think and what kind of attracts them, intrigues them. 
And uh, even when I was uh, teaching junior high in, in East Penn, I would make up stories and integrate them with uh, with the art. And uh, so I think it's just just one of them having children, you know, myself uh, being a father is it has uh, and, and having children ask you for stories or tell me a story. And you kind of just kind of grow into that. And then as a teacher, you have that experience with them, too. So in addition to the entertainment aspect of the books or the book, uh, what would you hope that the reader or the parent might find in this book? Uh, well, the, 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 it is based on historical fiction. All of the locations really exist. So one of the things that uh, my wife does uh, for, as a historical society and the, and the group of volunteers is that at the end of the, each school year, our third graders have a walking tour of Emmaus, go to all these historic locations, and they get an introduction into what life was like back in the 1700s, 1800s, and and where the historical parts of the maze are. There are a lot of there are a lot of local residents that even in this book have read the book now and can be. I didn't know that you know God's Acre even existed. Where is that? Mm-hmm. So I hope to bring history to life and and make it fun and and uh, relate it to the real world. The second book in the series that I'm finishing up now and hope to have this year takes place in the shelter house, uh, which is the oldest still inhabited log cabin in Lehigh County. So we have a lot of those places and historical society itself uh, is a great building and great resource here in town with uh, a lot of things to see and do. And, and that's where emoji lives, by the way, in the basement of the historical society. So I kind of try to bring all those things together, all those elements together with the characters. So in the second book, do the characters stay the same? The main characters stay the same, but I also introduce other characters, too. So, And then the uh, problems that occur are different, and the uh, uh, surprises are different, and the characters are different. So if you're a cat lover, would you like the book? Yes, yes. Uh, the cat is a, lot, a very uh, wild alley cat, and... Uh, based on my son's cat. So it's, uh, it's, uh, it has a lot of personality. So yes, you, I think you can relate to the cats. And then the second book, it'll be, uh, an owl. So, aha, how many books would you like to write you know, in a perfect world? Well, I, I kind of envisioned about six in this series because there are so many locations that I can incorporate in the history. And, and, and it's just fun to think about, you know, the different aspects of, you know, the adventures that can occur. What would you hope that children come away from this with? Is there any math or uh, what's your motivation to get the children to walk away and really like the book? Well, it's interesting to say that because, again, back to the stem or steam idea, pitter and patter, the two uh, little mice that are always getting in trouble, and Miss Mousy, their teacher, has to, you know, help them solve these problems and they find clues as they go along. And I've integrated a lot of the clues. And and as I do, the solutions to the clues that they find have to be resolved by using math and science and art uh, and history. So those aspects will come in science, technology, engineering, math, art all come into play as they go through the different series of the book. So, and even the architectural elements, you know, where 
there's a lot of things that they have to find that they have to relate to and solve with math. Well, Bob, it sounds like fun. We've been chatting with Bob Bamer, the author of a children's book, The Path to Grave Danger. Thank you, Bob, for being on every Main Street this evening. Thank you. And just like WDIY says, and it's do it yourself. And I hopefully the, this will be successful and, and continue uh, creating more books by my by uh, the series. And once again, they can go and buy it on Amazon, right? They can. You've been listening to On Every Main Street on WDIY 88.1 FM. I'm your host, Greg Caponia. Have a great evening. Up next on WDIY 88.1 FM, news headlines from NPR, followed by our Monday night folk program, Folk Classics. If you enjoyed this program, please go to the WDIY website or app to share or become a WDIY member.